Good evening, Purple family. Welcome to another episode of Shades of Purple, a Prince podcast. On tonight's episode, we are going to be reviewing the Batman album. So this is Prince's 11th studio album. And out of all of the uh, albums in Prince's discography, the Batman album is a very unique album. And the reason why I say that is because it's basically a soundtrack album. And it's a soundtrack album because, of course, of the Batman movie. Now, the Batman movie that came out in 1989 was kind of the beginning of the superhero era in movies. Because prior to this, we only saw Batman in like TV shows and comic books. So this was the first uh, like major movie about Batman. Now, of course, back in the 60s when they had the uh, TV show, they had like some uh, little uh, cheesy movies that came out, I think, but nothing like this. And this was like a totally different type of animal for this Batman movie. They wanted it to be like super over the top. You know, they threw a lot of money into the project. And then Tim Burton, of course, was the um, director. And Tim Burton at the time was a very interesting and really still is interesting director, particularly for a movie like Batman, when previously he's done movies like Beetlejuice and kind of more kind of like macabre type movies, kind of weird, but he has like this visual beauty about his um, movies. Like you can tell a Tim Burton movie when you see it. Uh, one of the first Tim Burton movies that I ever watched was Edward Scissorhands with Johnny Depp. And at the time, I just kind of thought that it was kind of a little weird movie, but I kind of got into it and it's still one of my favorite movies today. And it's just, you, like I said, you know a Tim Burton movie when you see it. Um, and he just was such a, a visual and still is, and he's still with us, uh, such a visual director. And so when he got the Batman project, I, I just was really interested to see exactly how this was going to come about. Now, of course, I was born in 1983. So when the movie came out in 1989, I was still in kindergarten. So I didn't see the movie when it came out. I didn't see the Batman movie until many years later. And of course, its sequel, Batman Returns, that came out in 1992. Um, I saw both those movies, you know, in the 90s. And I really like both of them. And to this day, they're still, I think, probably the, the, the two best Batman movies. I didn't really care for the Batman movies that came out in around like the early 2000s with uh, Christian Bale. I, the only one I liked was um, Dark Knight. Uh, with of course Heath Ledger playing uh, the Joker. Other than that one, I really didn't care. Batman Begins was, I guess that was okay, but I really didn't care too much for that series. So when I look back, I always uh, think about, when I think about Batman, I think about these two movies, Batman and Batman Returns. And one of the things that also stood out about those movies is not only Prince's contribution to the first Batman, but the incredible Danny Elfman, who was the composer and score, you know, he has the, you know, he, he made up the whole, you know, Batman thing. Dun, 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 dun. So Danny Elfman did a lot of, uh, Tim Burton's movies. Tim Burton had a history of kind of using some of the same people for his movies. Like he has this, uh, the set designer, not set designer, she does the clothes, uh, Colleen Atwood, like she does all the costumes. And Danny Elfman is somebody that use, does all the uh, music for his movies. And I mean, he is just fantastic. He did such a great job 
with the score that when the animated series, Batman, the animated series came out in the early nineties, they got Danny Elfman to do the score for that show. And of course we know how, uh, significant that show will go on to become, uh, between the Batman movies and Batman animated series that really, um, helped me to grow to really like Batman as a character. And to this day, he's still my favorite superhero out of everybody. Uh, so <laughs> sorry about all that. Uh, I just wanted to get all of that out of the way, just as a preface for, uh, how Prince came about, uh, coming into this project. So one of the first uh, songs that he learned on the piano, uh, when he was a little boy was the theme to Batman. So Batman was something that was really close to Prince's heart. And so when he, uh, got uh, connected to the project with, through his manager, uh, actually, now I don't know how true all of this is, but apparently John Nicholson, not John, Jack Nicholson, uh, who played, of course, the Joker in the Batman and Batman Returns movies was a big Prince fan. And supposedly he went to, uh, the director, uh, Tim Burton and said, Hey, you know, maybe we should get Prince to do, uh, the soundtrack. And at the time, uh, Burton was already kind of thinking about incorporating a Prince song into the movie. He actually wanted to talk to Prince about getting the song in 1999 for uh the movie and Prince was like well let's take it a step further let's just do like a whole uh soundtrack and he actually gave uh, Tim Burton like a hundred songs when at first you know Burton just wanted one song he wanted the 1999 song but then after talking to Jack he was like okay well maybe you could give me a couple of songs that we could use for the movie. And instead of giving him a couple of songs, <laughs> Prince went overboard and gave him like a hundred. Now these weren't all new songs. Of course, he probably pulled a lot of these songs from his famous vault, but there were some new compositions that he used. And most of the new compositions did make it on to the soundtrack album, which we're getting ready to talk about. So that's just a little background of how that all got started. So let's get into the information that I found on the Prince vault about the Batman album. So let's see. So it was, it came out in June of 1989 and it is, like I said, the only soundtrack album, cause he's done other soundtrack albums, but they were all related to a Prince project like Purple Rain and Under the Cherry Moon. Um, so those were Prince projects, but the Batman album was the only uh, soundtrack where he was not involved as an actor. Uh, so director Tim Burton uh, wanted to use two songs. So 1999, oh, and Baby I'm a Star, I forgot about that. So he wanted to use Baby I'm a Star and 1999 in a rough cut of the movie and felt that they worked really well in mid-December of 1988. He connected with Prince to ask if he could re-record the tracks for use in the movie or provide new tracks instead. So he wanted 1999 and Baby I'm a Star. And that's what he initially contacted Prince about. So Prince was initially uncertain until visiting the movie set in January of 1989, where he met Burton and discussed the concept and watched a rough cut portion of the movie. He became so interested in writing music for the movie that he considered canceling the Japanese leg of the Love Sexy tour, but it would have been too costly to do so. So he was so interested in wanting to start on this Batman project 
that he didn't even want to go to the go to Japan for the Love Sexy tour. But his managers were like, "Hey, you know, this has already been planned. It's going to be too too expensive for us to pull out." And at this point, the Love Sexy European tour was already over budget. Like I talked about this in my Love Sexy album review, the fact that the sets design was so expensive to to the point where they were just, you know, leaving stuff out. You know, every time they would move to a new city or a new country in Europe, they were having to leave some stuff behind because the set design was so expensive. So by the time they got to Jap uh, Japan, which was supposed to be the last leg of the tour, it was almost set up almost like how the new tour would be with hardly any set design, just real basic stuff. And I don't know if that's the reason why he just was like over it. But I think at this point, you know, Prince is like, you know, he doesn't like to stay on something for too long. You know, he gets bored with it. And by this point, I'm sure he was just done with Love Sexy and he was just ready to move on. So th this is this is just like classic Prince. Like, OK, I've done this to death. I'm ready to move on. Just I, Japanese will be all right, <laughs> you know, which is kind of messed up when you think about it. But I'm glad that, you know, his managers were able to help him to see reason. And he finished the Love Sexy tour in Japan. So uh, moving on, though, Prince began recording songs for the album in mid-February of 1989, immediately after returning from the Love Sexy tour. And he previewed 11 songs in late February, including Rave Unto the Joy, Fantastic, 200 Balloons, and he intended to replace 1999 and Baby I'm a Star uh, and the Batman theme. So he was going to... Um, used the wave into the joy fantastic and 200 balloons to replace 1999 and baby i'm a star so i guess he just decided he didn't want to use those old songs he worked on the album further in march 1989 recording party man and trust to replace rave into the joy fantastic and 200 200 balloons respectively so he decided he didn't want to do those two but 200 balloons will go on to be the b-side to uh the bad dance uh, Dance with the Devil was recorded for the album, but Prince considered the song to be too dark, and it is dark, and replaced it with The Bat Dance, which was the last song recorded for the album. While the bulk of the album was recorded between mid-February and the end of March 1989, Electric Chair was recorded in June of 1988 and Scandalous in October 1988. In addition, Vicky Waiting was a revamped version of Anna Waiting, initially recorded in December of 1988. So, so that's how, you know, all the sessions were. So he did most of it in 1988 and 1989. So let's go to the first track, The Future. I see the future and it will be. So The Future... I like this. I like the song. It kind of has like a kind of like a ominous tone to it because he's seen he's saying in the song that he sees the future and he says that it's going to work. But he also says that he knows that we're in, you know, the future is going to be kind of dark, kind of bleak that we, you know, the future is not going to be what we all think it's going to be. It's not going to be sunshine and rainbows all the time. So it's kind of a, like I said, it has kind of an ominous vibe, vibe to it, but you know, I dig it. So it says it's the first track. Uh, we already talked about, uh, when it was recorded, but they, well, actually they say here that the specific recording dates are not known, but the basic tracking 
was in mid-late February 1989 at Paisley Park. So they don't really know exactly when he recorded it at Paisley Park. And that could be because when he would do his recordings at Paisley Park, he would be working on many different projects at the same time. So while he was working on the Batman album, he could have been also still doing some stuff with Graffiti Bridge, or he could have been doing stuff with Joy Unto the Ray Fantastic, because actually Joy Unto the Ray Fantastic was a project that he was working on before he started working on the Batman album. So uh, there's that. So let's see. Uh, the vocals on the album are credited to a character from the movie. Okay, so that's another thing about this album that's really unique. Uh, so each song represents a different character in the Batman universe. So for uh, the future, it was attributed to Batman. So there would be songs that were attributed to Batman, songs that were attributed to Joker, and songs that were attributed to um, Vicki Vale, which of course is the female uh, uh, romantic interest played by, of course, Kim Basinger in the movie. So that's kind of how he set it up because the reason why that was set up that way was because initially this was supposed to be a joint project that was supposed to have been done with Michael Jackson. And there was even talk that it was going to be Prince Michael Jackson and, um, Oh God, what is his name? Um, I can't think of his name now. But it was supposed to be those three. Um, Faith Guy. What is his name, y'all? <sighs> I hate. Sometimes when I start this, it's like I just go completely blank. I can't remember anybody's name. <laughs> I hate this. So let me think. I'm, I'm going to think. I'm going to think of his name. Um, uh, George Michael. Okay. <laughs> George Michael. So initially, there was talk that the Batman soundtrack was going to be split up between Michael Jackson, Prince, and George Michael. George Michael, I think, was supposed to do, um, I don't know, uh, kind of like more of the romantic songs. And uh, My uh, Michael Jackson was supposed to do like the Batman theme songs. And Prince was supposed to do the Joker theme songs. So I don't know what happened with that whole thing. I think at the time, Michael, though, you know, he was doing the Bad Album. And I think he was on tour. And maybe George Michael was also on tour at the time. I'm not sure. But anyway, it ended up all falling on Prince to do. And so I guess Prince decided to keep that whole theme of assigning uh, characters to, to the different songs. So let's see what else can I say. Um, oh, here's something interesting about it. The track samples, uh, Strings by Claire Fisher, which we know Claire Fisher was his collaborator when he was doing the Under the, Under the Cherry Moon soundtrack with the different uh, string uh, arrangements. So there's also a sample in the future from uh, Carrie Fisher, Claire Fisher, and from Crystal Ball. And it includes samples of vocals by Minneapolis gospel group Sounds of Blackness. So Sounds of Blackness is one of those early 90s groups that were my favorite to listen to. They have a song called Optimistic. As long as you keep your head to the sky. So there is also a sample uh, from that group in the song, The Future. So what do you guys think about The Future? I, my husband really likes the song and it's like I said, I like it too. But if I'm honest, it's not my favorite. So let's move on to one of my favorites. The next track, Electric Chair. So Electric Chair for me is... Uh, I like the vibe of it. It's, you know, a rock song. And in this song, he's talking about wanting to get with this chick, you know, but he couldn't because, you know, 
he was, you know, talking to another girl, but he, and then he has all these, you know, feelings and thoughts in his mind that are kind of, I hate to use the word scandalous <laughs> because that's another, uh, a title of a song on this album, but he's thinking about some really kind of freaky thoughts, probably knowing Prince. Uh, so he was like, if a man is guilty for what goes on in his mind, give me the electric chair for all my future crimes. So he's already thinking about, you know, what he probably wants to do with her. And he was just like people. And you know what? That, you know what? He does know the future because I think that was the plot of the minority report. Was it not that movie where people were getting arrested for thoughts or even things that they were going to do in the future, but hadn't? So Prince, like, once again, he, ahead of his time on that. So I don't know when the Minority Report was written. If y'all don't, if y'all don't know what I'm talking about, the Minority Report was a Tom Cruise movie. I can't remember what year it came out. And actually, I haven't even seen the movie, but, but I know what it's about. Um, but anyway, people, you know, from some time, it's one of those dystopian uh, future type of movies where everybody is uh, kind of living kind of bad. It's like, and everybody is like under the thumb or the eye of big brother, so to speak. And you can't even think a bad thought. If you think too bad of a thought that they consider to be criminal, they can arrest you and even like put you in jail and even execute you. So Prince was already thinking something like this. So this is my, this is Prince's version of the minority report. And probably one of my favorite um, performances of all time for Prince is him performing the electric chair on Saturday night lives 40th anniversary. Now, if you haven't seen it, I have put it up on the Facebook page, uh, but it is on YouTube and it's one of my favorites because, Oh my God, y'all Prince looks so sexy in this video. He has a flowing, beautiful hair. He's clean shaven. I think this time period, the time love sexy in the Batman era, I think he was at his most sexiest to me. And he looked incredible. Like he had like, like the long flowing hair, which he looked so good in that. But then he was clean shaven and made him, it took years off his face. You know, it made him look like he was like 12. You know, it's already bad enough that he's such a small man. But then, <laughs> I mean, he literally looked like a teenager and he looks good, you know? So I, check that um, music video out if you haven't seen it. Uh, this um, YouTuber that I follow named uh, uh, KMZ, when she saw it, she was just like, God damn, he is so fun. He was, he, he, she like had to turn around in her chair and everything. She was like, man, that motherfucker fine. <laughs> like it was so, look, at, look her up, KMZ. I've also talked about her on uh, the um, Facebook page too. But anyway, y'all have to, I might have to, matter of fact, I might have to put up her reaction to the electric chair uh, performance because it is hilarious y'all. So I'll probably put that up after I put this, uh, this episode up, but moving on, I love electric chair. One of my favorites on the album. So moving on to the arms of Orion. So this was kind of the slow ballad uh, that he did with Sheena Easton. And I have to be honest with you guys. It's probably, it's not my favorite. I, you know, I want to say that it's growing on me, but I don't even want to lie and say that. Uh, it's just one of those songs. It's just like, uh, now I like the duet that he did when he did, you got the look with her. And a lot of people don't like that, but I actually like you got the look. But as far as the arms of Orion, it just, you know, 
it was attributed to Batman and Vicki Vale. And, you know, it's kind of a love song. Batman and Vicki Vale are, you know, talking about, you know, their love, their relationship and all that. And, you know, I get all that, but I guess it just wasn't nothing that, you know, caught my attention. But this is what Sheena Easton said in a 2012 interview about uh, the Arms of Orion. She said, I sent him the lyrics to the Arms of Orion. He really liked it, put music to it, and it ended up being on the Batman soundtrack. I'm totally into the stars. Right outside my bedroom window, right over my front guest house, you look right into Orion, which is Orion is kind of like a, um, a constellation, if you're not familiar, uh, which is basically just like a collection of stars. I love the concept of two lovers apart, looking up at the same stars and wishing they could be together. And that's sweet. Don't get me wrong. That's sweet. And I kind of did kind of like how at the very end of the song, how it faded out into like the, the strings and the piano. I thought that was really nice. Uh, but you know, like I said, it has this good, it has this good, but I guess, I guess it just has to continue to grow on me. Of note, uh, this track is credited both on the album and, and single as Prince with Sheena Easton. Once of only a few times that co-credit has been given to anyone other than Prince's band, the revolution or the new power generation. So that goes to show you that Prince really respected and valued his um, working relationship that he had with Sheena Easton. Uh, let's see, the vocals are credited to a character from the movie, uh, Bruce Wayne and Vicki Bell. So not Batman. So this is actually accredited to Bruce Wayne and Vicki Bell. And of course, Bruce Wayne is Batman, but uh, Bruce Wayne is um, when he's not Batman. That's, you know, who he is. But y'all should know this if you don't. But I'm just trying to cater to people who may not be as familiar with the whole Batman uh, story. So let's see what else about the arms of Orion. Okay. I think that's it. Um, so moving on, let's see what's next. Ah, party, party man, party man. So you can probably tell I really like uh, party man. This is another favorite of mine uh, on this album. So let's see. Um, party man was a successful single. Not surprised to hear that the song was not included on the hits collection. It is believed that this was due to the licensing of movie dialogue included in the opening seconds of the song. Although these were simply simply edited out when the track was included on the peach single. So it has some, um, some licensing issues because there is, um, uh, kind of clips from the movie and that is also the reason why the bat dance isn't on the hits album for that reason because of licensing issues because Batman of course is a licensed character so he wasn't able to include those because he had to give those rights over to um, Batman and whoever owns you know Batman uh, so let's see what else um, I love the music video and for those of you who may not know, if you've seen, and of course they're on YouTube, so you can check them out if you haven't, but the extended version with the, uh, monkey is kind of a hit on Michael Jackson. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, Michael Jackson had his, uh, chimp named Bubbles, right? Okay. So in Moonwalker, the movie, um, he talks about how when he, you know, after the opening sequence of them doing bad, uh, the music video and how they turn into kids or whatever. 
So right before uh, Michael Jackson turns back into a regular adult, they're going down the steps into his dressing room and, <clears throat> and he asked one of his friends, uh, where's Bubbles? Uh, and, and his friend was like, well, the last time I saw him, he was wearing a Prince t-shirt and a hat or something like that. And so the little boy says Prince t-shirt. And so when I thought about that and I saw the extended version of the party man video and you see a, a chimp with a Batman t-shirt on and Prince gives him a banana with, you know, a peeled banana that says psych in it. <clears throat> and so I immediately thought, okay, so Prince definitely must've saw Moonwalker because Moonwalker came out before uh, Batman. I think Moonwalker came out in 88, 1988, I believe. So I was like, so Prince definitely saw Moonwalker and saw that little, you know, that little hit that Mike did against him. So I think he was kind of returning that favor. Also, there is a, in the National Enquirer around the same time, there was this story, crazy outlandish story <coughs> that Prince was using, was he was like communicating, uh, uh, he was communicating through telepathy with bubbles and was telling bubbles to like do things to like to Michael Jackson, to make him like, like destroy the room and just like break all of Michael's stuff. And so I have to, I, if I can find this article, I'll put it on uh, the Facebook page as well. And so in the article, Michael was all upset saying he was going to, you know, really, uh, get Prince for this and how he couldn't believe that Prince was, uh, communicating telepathically using ESP with his chimp. <laughs> and so when I see the party man video and you see the, um, the peeled banana and it says psych on it, that also made me think of that article because Prince did read stuff about him and those supermarket rags. And just like Michael did from time to time. So they always knew about who was talking about them. So that made me think that maybe he saw that and was like, ah, oh, and just thought it was funny. So he incorporated it into the Party Man video. But the Party Man uh, song, of course, is attributed to, of course, the Joker. Uh, let's see what else. Um, Party Man replaced Raven to the Joy Fantastic, which I think was definitely a good idea. Uh, now, I like Raven to the Joy Fantastic, but I think Party Man definitely fits Batman better. And Party Man, of course, was also the introduction to Gemini, the Prince character that um, the Prince became for the video where he's kind of like half Joker, half Batman. And he, he did that for the Party Man video and, of course, for the Bat Dance video. And for some reason, he was still completely sexy. I don't know what you guys think, but... He was still sexy to me and all that makeup. And I'm just like, damn, he just can literally make anything look good. <laughs> so that's Party Man. So on to the next um, track, which is Vicky Waiting. So I know a little bit about the background for Vicky Waiting. So initially the track was called Anna Waiting. And it was a track that uh, Prince actually gave his girlfriend at the time, Anna Fantastic, also known as Anna Garcia, for her 18th birthday. And so it was called Anna Waiting. Uh, but uh, he decided to uh, take it back and redo it for the soundtrack. And he changed it to Vicky Waiting. So, of course, this song is about uh, the character of Vicky Vale. So, let's see. So, I said that about Anna Waiting. Because it was just something that I knew 
because in one of my other episodes talking about his girlfriends, um, Anna Fantastic is one of the last uh, women that I talk about. And I talk about how, she, uh, you know, he gave her this song for her birthday. Uh, let's see. So I already knew that. Let's see. What else can we learn? Um, hmm. I think that's it. I, and I kind of like it at first. I didn't really like this song either, <laughs> but, uh, after I was listening to the Batman soundtrack for like two weeks straight, I was like, this, this is kind of all white. And it's one of those songs that if you listen to it enough, it'll stick in your head. So I dig it. I dig it a lot. So that's Vicky waiting. Uh, and the next track trust and trust, I think, um, was played briefly in the movie. I know party man was uh, also played in the movie as well, but trust was played in the movie, I believe. And trust, I think also fits, um, the movie because when you look at the Joker character, he just is kind of like, I don't know how to describe it. I mean, obviously he's like a madman murderer, but I don't know this, something like this, this song kind of fits with, you know, his character. Like you don't want to trust him, but you feel like if you get close enough to him, you can. And I think that's kind of what happened with, uh, Harley Quinn. I think this is a good, you know, I know this is probably like, what, what are you talking about? But just, just follow me, just follow me with this. So in trust, he's, he, Prince is basically saying, Hey, look, uh, this is what everything is all about. Trust. If you don't trust anybody, you can't get anywhere, you know, even by yourself, you can't, you just can't do it. So I, I think this really fits the Joker character and, um, and it is attributed to Joker. So that makes sense. Uh, let's see why I said, while specifically recording dates are unknown. So a lot of this, um, Batman album, the recording dates, because they were at Paisley park. And like I said, because he was working on so many other projects, the dates are unknown. Uh, but he did it around the same time that he did the party, uh, party man and bat dance. Uh, the song was submitted to replace 200 balloons. And I really liked 200 balloons. And I really wish that he would have uh, put that on the uh, album because I mean, I thought that it fit given the theme of the Joker and how he would, you know, use the, the balloons to poison the people of Gotham. So I really liked how he was able to incorporate that. And uh, so I think 200 balloons should have really been included in the soundtrack. If I had any critique of the soundtrack, it would probably be that, that 200 balloons should have been included and not just a B-side to Bad Dance. But anyway, I digress. Uh, let's see, what else can we learn about trust? Um, uh, it looks like that's it. Um, like I said, trust is one of those songs. I like it and it has like a nice little beat, but it's, you know, I can take it or leave it. So moving on now, this next one, Lemon Crush. Love Lemon Crush. And I, and it's just one of those things. It's, it's catchy. Every time you see me, lemon crush. It's like, it just has like a, you know, dun, 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 dun. I like the beat. I like the lyrics, you know, he's actually talking about his girlfriend, Anna Fantastic in the lyrics and lemon crush actually comes from that was her favorite drink. Uh, and so I, I just love how Chris is able to take you know, things that are going on in his real life and be able to, you know, just put them on an album, just make a song about it, just like that. So he took literally his girlfriend's favorite drink and turned it into a song. 
And of course, he's talking about her, like I said, in the song about her being, you know, pretty, pretty every time you do me, you know, talking about their, you know, when they get down and all that, of course. Um, but I liked it. And for some reason, it just seems to work. And this is attributed to um, Bruce Wayne as well, talking about, of course, Vicky Vale. So there is that. So Lemon Crush, another one of my favorites on this album. Now, the next track, we all know it. We all love it. Scandalous. And of course, this is another song that's attributed to Batman. Now, now this is Batman. Now, not, not Bruce Wayne, but Batman talking about Vicky Vale. And Scandalous, of course, has a uh, scandalous uh, background in that. So supposedly, and I've talked and I've said this story before in other episodes, that... Kim Basinghurt, which is who he met uh, on the set of Batman, and they ended up getting together. Uh, they first got together, I think, while Batman was still being shot. And then after it wrapped, uh, she actually ended up moving to Paisley Park and living there with Prince for a little while. So um, so I'm not sure when this was recorded. Let me see, does it say? Um... But I'm not sure when they recorded it, but when they did, supposedly, I don't, so I don't know if it's like if they were doing a nasty and he decided to record it, you know, right after that or before that. But anyway, he ended up putting her moans into the song so you can hear it. But it sounds like to me, she's either laughing or crying. So I don't know what kind of moaning she's doing. But supposedly, that's what you hear when you hear. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't even do it. Um, so that's supposedly her moaning and, you know, ecstasy. Um, but, and there is credence, uh, credence to the story, credence, what the, credence to the story, because, um, the engineers at the time said that after, uh, Prince and Kim Basinger like had a, um, uh, a session quote unquote, uh, that they came in and there was honey all over the mixing boards that they had to clean out. So, yeah, so it got a little sticky icky <laughs> when they were recording their uh, quote unquote music. But Scandalous and uh, the video, of course, are great. Uh, I love the lyrics and I love how Prince is doing like his little ballet and his, uh, you know, his seductiveness and all of its sexiness he got on this red uh get up that he has on he's got his hair uh pushed back you know pulled back into a ponytail and i really wish that he would have had his hair out because like in the electric chair video i mean it's just so flowy and long and beautiful and i think that would have been a better look but who am i but i guess he just wanted his hair out of his face and he knew that there wasn't going to be like a fan nearby because he told his um, his hairdresser, Kim Berry, that the only time that he liked his hair long was when it could flow. Like, you know, it could be some like a fan or something blowing. So maybe they didn't have a fan on the set. And he was just like, well, I'll just put it back in a little ponytail. But I think that would have made it even sexier had he had his hair out. But anyway, that's scandalous. And it's still on my top 10 of uh, Princess Ballards. And like I said, it's just one of those songs that it's just a, it's a sexy song. It's a song that, you know, will really get you, you know, thinking about, you know, your special someone. Now I have heard that of 
one critic in particular, because I've read so many books about Prince and each um, book that I've read, anytime that they get to this particular song, some of them have said that it sounds like a, a caricature of a Prince song, like a, uh, like a, like a SNL skit, <laughs> uh, a parody, if you will. And I can kind of see why they say that, because when you think about it, how sensual and sexy Prince is, and then you hear a song like Scandalous, it almost sounds like, okay, he might be doing a little bit too much. He might be going, you know, a little over the top with it. But I mean, but when you know Prince and you're a, a fan of his music, you know that that's just Prince, you know? So there's that. So last but not least, Bat Dance, the last track on the album. So for those of you who know and have been following my podcast, you know that Bat Dance, this song is uh, particularly uh, very sentimental to me because it is the very first song of Prince's that I ever heard. And at the time, I didn't even know that he was Prince when I heard it. I was in kindergarten and we would just be on the playground uh, you know, at recess singing like the, you know, the, not the hook, but, uh, I guess it would it be a hook. The part where he's talking about Vicky Bell. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I want to bust that body. And I remember that. And at the time I didn't even know what I was singing. Probably would have got my ass beat. Had my mother heard like, but I was just like, this is, I kind of dig it. You know, everybody else was singing it. So I was singing it. And so <laughs> to this day, I don't know how I was able to remember that. But it was a couple of years later before I found out that that was Prince. And so the bad, bad dance remains probably one of my favorite songs. And I know there are some people that don't care for it because it is kind of a, a commercial song and it really fits in with the Batman soundtrack because you hear all of the little snippets from the movie. So it was made specifically for the movie. There's no doubt about that. But it was still one of Prince's number one hits. He only had five number one hits. And this was uh, one of them, Bat Dance. And so let me see, what else can we learn about Bat Dance? And so there was, so there was a uh, person that was on the set at the time who uh, worked for Prince and his name was Michael Cooper. And so you actually hear him when you hear Prince say, get the funk up, I thought he was saying, get the fuck up. But no, he's saying, get the funk up. Because of course, Batman is a, you know, family friendly movie. So they didn't want, you know, nobody cussing like that in the movie. So he had him do that part. Get the funk up. So that's where that comes from. Um, Let's see, what else can we say about Bat Dance? Hmm. Okay, I think that's it. Bad Dance was to replace also uh, Dance with the Devil, which uh, Dance with the Devil, I think, did become a B-side as well. But it was dark, and Bad Dance is a much uplifting song. And the one thing I really like about Bad Dance, in addition to the breakdown where he's talking about busting somebody's body, which is funny because he actually did bust Vicky Vale's body and other, you know, things uh, in real life. But anyway, so <laughs> another thing that's interesting about, uh, bad dance is that wonderful, wonderful guitar solo. I think it's probably his most rock and roll 
guitar solos that he's ever done. And I think it's very underappreciated because in a lot of circles, the song isn't, you know, people's favorite, not even within the purple community. And that's a shame because he really did do a, I, I mean, just a rocked out, like, I think even metalheads would appreciate that guitar solo that was in Bat Dance. So if you haven't, pay, pay more attention to it the next time you happen to listen to Bat Dance. Uh, or even the album, period. I mean, he just did stellar work, as always, from start to finish. And this will always remain to be one of my favorite albums. And if you haven't, check out my top 10 Prince albums. I can't remember where I placed Batman, but I know that it was probably in my... Uh, well, it was top 10, but I can't remember where it was. But um, I think it was definitely in my top five. Because uh, it's an album that <clears throat> I play quite a bit. Uh, when I'm in the mood to play it, because like I said, I like the aesthetic of this era for him as far as how he looked and how he dressed. So it's definitely an album that I come back to a lot. So with that being said, I think that I'm going to end the review there. So guys, uh, I've got a couple of things coming up on the podcast. I've got another, well, actually two top tens that I'm working on. I'm working on a top 10 piano ballad and a top 10 Prince uh, Purple Ladies Countdown, my top 10 favorite purple uh, Prince's girlfriends and, you know, girlfriends, wives, my favorite of those and my top 10 favorite uh, piano ballads. So I'm working on that. I also still have a book review coming. Kim Berry's book. I haven't forgot about that. Uh, Diamonds and Curls. I, I still have to review that. And I also I'm going to continue the Purple Kingdom series. I've already done Andre Simone and Jill Jones. So next up, I'm probably going to do Des Dickerson in that series. So be on the lookout for that. So until then, peace and be wild and may you live to see the dawn. Bye.